Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the master disaster lad, Josh45. What's up? We also have Aqua Ross Boy. Hi. And I'm CBS Lass, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Legion superhero style. Uh, today we're going to be doing episode number 133. And with our books, we're going to be going over um, the Hawkeye Freefall number one from Marvel. Uh, Legion of Superheroes number three from DC. Lucy Claire Redemption number one from Image. And then Doctor Strange the Surgeon Supreme number one from Marvel. And we'll wrap everything up with some Superman number 18 from uh, DC Comics. How you guys doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? I mean, I'm, I'm alright, I guess. My voice is a little bit better. Uh, we do have some clips we'll run at the end of uh, emails of people that wanted Batman things from two weeks ago. So there's a couple of those in there. Not a lot, which is disappointing, but at the same time, probably better. Batman things? Well, when my voice was Batman, sort of Batman. Oh. The better part of the last two and a half weeks. Um, well, we got a couple of emails of people wanting to hear things. They're not great. I see. But uh, we have them, so I guess we'll put them on there in a thing. Anyway. 45, how you doing? Not too bad. Uh, I don't really know if there's a whole lot of new stuff, comic book-wise. We have some crazy other things happening in the world. Um, do you guys have any news? Just getting to that, actually. A guy named Matthew Sterling sent to State Hospital after planning an attack at a Phoenix comic book convention. Oh, jeez. That's crazy. So why he was sent to the hospital? That's Mental hospital. Oh, mental hospital, that makes sense. Crazy people doing crazy things for no reason. The uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi show got shelved until further notice. We had heard that, yeah. It's because Ian McGregor's horrible. Nobody wants to watch him do anything. <laughs> I don't think it's his fault. There I, you go. I heard it was that the scripts were not what they wanted. but It's kind of hard to write good words for someone who's so terrible. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's not, not a bad Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's it's alright. He was horrible at everything that he's ever done. Oh, that's <laughs> not true. Okay. Really, fish is great. The Falcon and Winter Soldier adds Noah Mills in a mystery role. Huh. All right. Then we, and they're getting ready to drop a Falcon Winter Soldier comic book as well. Um, probably not till uh, probably until March. I don't think it was in the January catalog. So it's either March or April. Did you guys talk about the ending to uh, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths? I'm talking about the TV series? Yeah. The crossover with CWs? Yep. No. No, we didn't. Yeah. Do you want to tell, tell us a little about that, Ross? So I, I really don't know much about that. I think you're probably more the... Oh, come on, man. The, the Are you talking CW about cameos? Guy. Is that what you're asking about? But I do know that the end of it was kind of crazy and that they tied together... The movies and the TV shows. Yeah, I know that. Uh, what Ezra Miller showed up as the Flash, and yep. Brandon Routh died, but then he came back, and then right, and then something. Then the guy that the guy that played the kid in Road to Perdition, Superman, was 
Well, it's the same guy. That's just an actor. The really bad Superman. He's in oh, it somewhere. He's about, and he's going to be with Lois in the show now. <laughs> well, they are getting their own show. That's true. Uh, as far as births out of this thing. But yeah, the big crossover thing with the movies is that Ezra Miller showed up as the Flash from the movie universe. Mm-hmm. So that kind of connects the movies and the TV shows, sort of. Uh Marv Wolfman has a cool cameo in the last episode. He's very Stan Lee-like um, cameo. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. So that was really cool. I did dig that. thought that was cool. What's really cool about them tying those things all together is that it's the multiverse, and that works perfect for DC stuff. Right. Unlike in the movies up at this point, we haven't had any even inclination of that happening, and they never put any step forward to that. So that's also crazy. Mm-hmm. And like, while in his one scene, he mentioned he dropped Cyborg's name. He's like, he'll never believe this. And then, well, the cameo sort of ends. Right. Right. It just is, uh, it just fits so well because they didn't have this giant connecting thing from the get go. Right. To now have it be a multiverse because then everything is part of it. Right. You know? Yeah, connecting the universes together, is, it's crazy they did it. It's cool they did it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was crazy. I did not expect that. I don't think, I don't actually think anybody expected that cameo. For all the ones they announced, that one they never announced. Right. I think that the the thing most people expected was more like older TV show stuff than right. probably what they showed. But, I don't. yeah, like you said, I don't think anyone expected movie stuff to come into play at yeah, all. Yeah, no. I mean, they even connected the uh, the DC streaming service with the Titans. Right. So, like, even that connected to it, too, so now all of them connected. And I, like I said, I didn't actually watch it yet, but I heard something about um, the Wonder Twins and Gleek, like, not actually showing up, but there being, like, a cage with Gleek's name on it or something. And- yeah, they didn't actually have him show up in anything, though. Like there was a one of the worlds we see like a cage, yeah, and like That's the cool. clip wise, they show the clip from Doom Patrol when they were going over the different universes, and they show the clip from Titans, right? Which I guess the two of them don't exist in the same world. Yeah, no, they've said from the beginning that Doom Patrol's a, a different universe than the Titans stuff. I do think that's weird, just because of how connected it started out. With the right. first cameos being in Titans. Right. Well, but from the Doom Patrol show, none of that really connected into Titans at all. No, it didn't. Titans yeah, all, for sure. Which I kind of wish it would have, because... It would have cool if it did, yeah. Cool, but. At least name drops. I mean, you didn't have to put the other characters, but... Right. You could have mentioned Beast Boy. It would have been cool. Yep. Yep, I would have liked that. Yeah. Anyway. Is there anything else over there, Josh? Whoa, dude. Slow down. I'm just asking. You guys are <laughs> rambling on about stuff I don't watch. <laughs> TV shows, you know. Superhero TV shows. DC has announced the contents of February 26th, Crisis on Infinity Earth Giant Number 2. Oh. That's crazy. Yeah, the Giant Number 1 was a storyline that happens between episode, like, I think 2 and 3. So, like, it connects to the shows, basically. The 80-page mm-hmm. giant will continue its retelling of the Crisis Saga with a 24-page Crisis on Fintners Part 2 from Mar- writers Marv Wolfman and Mark Guggenheim and artists Tom D- Derenick and Trevor Scott and Annie Owens. The multiverse is losing its battle against the Anti-Monitor, yada yada, but this one will focus on the Green Lantern Corps. See, and that's crazy because they made an announcement earlier, I think January that uh, they were looking at doing a Green Lantern show on uh, HBO Max. 
So yeah. it makes me wonder if that's... HBO show, or not HBO, uh, Green Lantern show in general has been like in the talks for a while, often on different different places. So it'd be interesting, it'd be cool Yeah, if they could do it right. Right. I think it'd be cool. Yeah, it'd be cool. As far as the crossover things, I was kind of surprised when they put the book out and had the first story be... Because like, of the crisis, the Giants, it's a bunch of reprint stuff and like one new story. And initially, they didn't give a write-up for what the first one was going to have. And then when they finally revealed it was a show tie-in, I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Especially since it wasn't like retelling of the show. It was like a piece that happens between episodes. Weird. Yeah, kind of crazy. Anyhow, the fact they're doing another one like that, that's cool. So uh, going back to that Superman and Lois show. Right. um, I've heard rumors that that... Um, may feature the Super Sons. Ooh. So not only John, but Damien as well. That's crazy. Which, it's rumors, so right. who knows, yeah. but that'd be way cool if that was a thing. That'd be pretty, that'd be neat, yeah. I mean, show-wise, we haven't got an actual Batman. I mean, we've got Other Worlds Batman, sort of. Crazy. Yeah. Huh. Um, DC has unveiled the first variants to March 11th's Robin 80th Anniversary 100-page Super Spectacular. Um, in addition to the main cover by Lee Weeks, we have Julian Totino Tedesco, the 1950s era, Dustin Goyen, 1960s era, Care Andrews, 1970s, Jim Schwang, Schwang, 1990s, Derek Chu, 2000s, and Yasmin Putri, 2010s. Yeah, it's pretty cool, because like, the, the 2010 one is like a group shot with all the different Robins that have been Robins. I really like that one. Yeah, it's a cool picture. And the 2000s one is Stephanie Brown Robin, so like... That's crazy, too. I kind of think interior, because there's a bunch of writers, artists inside of it, the Lee Weeks cover. It it looks cool, too. That's the main cover. Mm-hmm. As far as the story, like we know there's a bunch of artist writers in there, so I think it'll probably be a bunch of different Robins, not just Grayson, which... If that's the case, that's cool, because it'd be nice to get another, like, Stephanie Brown story. Yeah, that'd be way crazy if okay. I did that. I, Frank Miller's got the 90s one, I think, the I think cover. It's the 80s one. Oh, 80s, okay. And the Frank Miller one, I'm not a fan, really. I mean, I love Carrie Kelly, because I think she's great, but that particular cover, I don't think I like so much. Right. Yeah, I think that group shot one is definitely my favorite. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's by far the best one that I saw in here. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, Stephanie Brown one's really good, though. Yeah. But the group shot, I like how they have Tim Drake kind of centered. Well, and there's, right. I think the 90s one is a, a Tim, like a Tim cover, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they've... I didn't... Yeah, I think you're right when I was looking at them. Oh, yeah, it's black and white. That's why I didn't notice it's not colored yet. Right. Yeah. It's, by the end, it's supposed to be colored, I guess. But yeah, the initial one's not a final art cover, but... I think that's the 2000s one. Is it? The 2010s will probably be Stephanie Brown. Yeah, either way. As far as covers are concerned, I kind of wish they would have dropped those sooner just because the orders for stores went in for those, like, last week. So all you had to work on was the name. And, yeah, that's a bunch of good names. But as far as covers are concerned, it's if people are going to get the chance to just choose what they want because they could, kind of be better if you could see it beforehand. I think the same thing's going to happen with The Flash, though, because The Flash is going to do this 750 issue. Mm-hmm. The same thing with the pile of covers. But if you don't know what the covers look like, like, pick and choose-wise, it just makes it rougher. If you're a person that's, like, a fan of certain artists and you know that, then I guess that's fine. 
but it'd just be better. I, I'm really glad they put those out because they look awesome. And Dust in the Wind one's really cool too, and a couple of them are almost Batman sixty six flavored, just right. the way they look. But yeah, that's pretty cool. And the the Lee Weeks one is cool too because it's almost like a recreation of the Frank Miller cover with Robin jumping following Batman. Oh, it's yep. a cool cover. So even the normal one's good. But yeah, it'll be cool to see when that thing comes out, the, what the stories actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing that I had was that, I'm not sure how excited I am about this, because it could be go horribly wrong just because I'm not sure who... Well, the rumor on the street, the people who are designing and putting them out are the people who did the Fortnite figures. And as far, as there are a lot of people out there who like the Fortnite figures, but I don't. I don't like them very much. But um, the new G.I. Joe figures coming out, so there's a rumor... Pretty heavy, solid rumor that they're going to be um, six s- inches, six to seven inch figures like yeah. Marvel Legends style. Oh, crazy! And uh, the first wave was going to include um, Snake Eyes, Duke, Destro, Scarlet, and Storm Shadow. Yeah, I think Storm Shadow was the last one. I think I remember reading that, but I can't remember if he was on there or not. I think he is, though kind of paired with each other. But, I mean, if they're like the Star Wars black figures, I guess it'd be okay. Yeah, I mean, if they're that detailed, yeah, that's really cool. But, again, the I mean, the, the G.I. Joe mythos is so huge. It's going to be so difficult. Like, people are just going to get irritated because they're, like, if they only put 15 figures out, they're going to be like, well, they never made a this. They never. And right. that's the same thing they did with the 25th line, the modern era line. Same thing. You know, when they put out figures in the modern airline that they never put out in the original, like, um, you know, rubber band, like, original, like... Oh, yeah, the 80s, the 80s figures, yeah. The real American hero-like line, and just, people are never happy. Like, I love G.I. Joe, it's my thing. Right. I feel like that if, if I'm an expert on anything in, on this on this podcast, like, it's G.I. Joe, like, that's my right. jam, and I know my stuff, and it's like, man, you're just, you're opening up a whole nother thing. Right. And it's yeah. just people are going to be like, well, it's not the original, or it's this, or it's that, or like, how come we haven't gotten this yet? And it's just like, oh my gosh. Like, I kind of wonder if it's only going to be a movie line, and then that'll be the end of it. Well, if it's a movie line, then like, are only going to get like characters from the movie. You know what I mean? It's just like, but if Roadblock's in it and Duke's in it, I don't know. Figure line, at least the first batch they announced, they all sound like characters that could cameo real easy. In a- no, not if it's a Snake Eyes origin story, though. No, but by the end of it, he'd be because I know Joe. I know hard. Well, I guess because like the hard master's supposed to be in it, and it's not. Um, it's not set all primarily in the past when he's a kid, but it's supposed to start there. So by the end of it, I guess he cameos from any of those characters. But does that mean anything for the long run? No. Figure wise, you can make a hard master figure. I mean, they did it before, back when it was. Uh, who was the rapper that did that? G.I. Joe 2, who is the Hardmaster? RZA. RZA. So, I mean, the main yeah, RZA Snake Eyes, Duke, Destro, Scarlet, and Roadblock. And Destro's the only... Um, only bad guy? The only bad guy. So, oh, yeah. Which is just a weird lineup, because, I mean... Kind of, yeah. Scarlet would be yeah, super young. She'd probably be the youngest, I would assume. Roadblock and Duke. I mean, I don't know. It's just a weird thing, depending on what they do with the, with the movie. Right, whether um, it's... Uh, I think it'll probably be a 50-50, just guessing, but... As a thing, I'm kind of surprised there's not a Storm Shadow in there. Maybe that's why I read that people were pissed that there wasn't a Storm Shadow. But if they do Wave 2, I guess he'd be the catch for Wave 2. 
crazy. So anyway, I'm I'm excited. They're supposed to release the the um, prototypes at Toy Fair, New York Toy Fair, which would be like early February. Usually is when that happens. I'm not sure the exact dates, but I'm kind of curious to see what all comes out this year because there's a lot of new. We still haven't seen any man. I mean, we've barely barely seen any Mandalorian figures yet, right. right? And they've been cool so far, but like I don't think we've seen any of the Black Series, the six inch line. I don't know if we've seen any of those yet, have we? Yeah, they've made uh, uh, the Mandalorian himself and IG Eleven and Cara Dune all as black figures. Okay, and they're the, all pretty cool. But we haven't seen like um, the child yet. Like mm-hmm. like a remember when they did the um, Marvel. The Marvel line when they cable like there was the regular cable and the cable that came with the baby came right. with baby hope like wasn't like the, mm-hmm. the like baby the, harness the X the X Men baby harness yeah yep super rad but like I mean are we gonna get that with the you know, the, the child so that'd be cool it would be kind of cool so we'll see there's a lot of cool things coming out this year um, at the end of the episode I have a new a new figure review so we'll go from there on that too but nice. Cool. Interesting stuff. All right. Uh, well, uh, do we want to make a mention of Bryant? Yeah, a little shout-out. Uh, Kobe Bryant passed away today. Um, him and his daughter in a her- helicopter crash. It's kind of a sad thing. He was pretty amazing, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, and uh, just a super sad situation. Um, he was only 41 years old, and he won an Oscar for his, uh, his help in the sh- animated short, and he also voiced it, did the um, narration. Just really sad to see when things like that happen. Him and his daughter, thirteen-year-old daughter, both passed away. So rest in peace, man. Like the Mamba, you BAF man. So yeah. my my favorite basketball player. But yeah, yeah, it's an unfortunate situation. Well, with that crazy nonsense, I guess um, it's a terrible segue. With working those, that's a bad one. Well, Steven Tyler sounded terrible at the Grammys and the him and a yeah, but, yeah. Run DMC like collab. It's cool that it was them. Well, but, that, uh, that was great, but like it was, yeah, he was, was just rough. wow. He's rough. He needs, right. a, he needs to stop. He's rough. That, that's unfortunate. Also, <laughs> that doesn't help the segue literally at all. <laughs> My God. All right. Um, so I guess we'll move into uh, Hawkeye Freefall number one. This is uh, from Marvel Comics, of course. Uh, art. The writer on it's Matthew Rosen Rosenberg, uh, and the artist on it is Otto Schmidt. Uh, Rosenberg most recently, I feel like, got off of the X-Men, or the Uncanny X-Men run that wrapped up just before all the Jonathan Hickman stuff. Good writer. Dug it. It was cool. Um, so book-wise, we open up and we're in this, uh, warehouse, like a CD-style warehouse. And there's a whole bunch of thugs and a dude, of course, dude in a big business suit. And, uh, in the process, we have this monologue going on that's like, what what happens when you go to these meetings and this is what all these thugs look like and look at all these crazy people. Oh, and here's me. And in walks Hawkeye carrying like a latte with his sunglasses on and color-wise he doesn't match anyone else. Everyone else is in dark drab, like gross kind of, I don't know, hitman colors, I guess. And he's carrying, he's got this really bright blue, like, I don't know, running jacket on and carrying his, well, of course, purple Hawkeye backpack. Anyhow, um, and while he's talking, he talks, starts talking about the guy they're all there to, to listen to and hear, and it's the Hood, which the Hood, he's kind of a hardcore, like, murdery type, I don't know, crime lord, wears a crazy red hood, 
almost, I don't know, he's kind of cartoonish the way he dresses, but as far as, like, a, a guy, at one point he had the magic powers, like, he, he kind of had a whole lot of weirdness going on for him, and mm. because he's so, like, crazy murderous, like, people respect him out of fear, and uh, Hawkeye's, like, standing there listening to him giving these orders and trying to make his decision about what gang they're going to take out next, the whole time sipping his latte, till eventually the hood realizes Hawkeye's there, and he's like, oh, um, what are you doing here, guy? And he basically just insults him and then, like, winds up uppercutting him while he's eating his takeout. Like, he's chopsticks and everything. Of course, from there, everybody decides they want to fight him, and that turns into a full-on, like, battle royale. Now, granted, the hood went over all of his plans and what he was planning to do, so we basically just fed Hawkeye exactly what he needed to get him in trouble. So after Hawkeye takes a bunch of the thugs and then uh, chases the, uh, well, he chases the car, takes out the tire, takes out the hood... And calls in the cops for the cavalry. And he talks about, the monologue goes on a little farther. They, even after the arrest, usually the Avengers are too busy and he can't, they can't make the time for it. But because he really hates the hood so much, he was going to go sit through the court case just to watch him get sentenced because of how, how uppity the hood is. And so Hawkeye's in there and he's watching all these guys that are just thug types getting sentenced crazy amounts of time. And then we get to the end, the last guy gets his sentence. And uh, Hawkeye's like, where's the hood at? Like, what's what's going on? And the uh, the, the judge tells him, to, tells him to be quiet in the court as the, as Hawkeye's shaking down the bailiff, and he's like, why isn't the hood here? What's going on? Did he cut a deal? Like, what's what the hell's happening? And he gets super pissed. The judge yells for him to get out of the courtroom, and he goes outside, and there's the limousine sitting there with the hood stepping into it. And, uh, of course, he goes up yelling at the, the window until eventually the hood's like, hey, why don't you just get inside with me? And Hawkeye gets inside, and of course he's super, like, I don't know, kind of cautious. Like, doesn't like the idea of being invited into this maniac's limousine. Seems like a bad idea. Right? It's a bad choice. Don't get in cars with strangers, right? (laughs) Anyhow, so the the hood offers him a glass of champagne, and he's like, oh, let me explain to you how this really works for real criminals, and how all the underlings get stepped on, and you just got to know the right people, grease the right palms, and it doesn't really matter what you do. And, of course, that makes Hawkeye not very happy. Um, he threatens the hood, actually takes the wine bottle from him. He's like, I can kill you with this real easy and just put this all to the end. And the hood's like, mm, but good guys don't do that. And uh, he pulls this crazy transformation to a demon for a second to scare Hawkeye. And then tells him you should probably get out of the car because you don't want him to go where we're going. So Hawkeye's already made like an extra enemy now. And if you ever read, if you read any of the previous series um, that were just standalone Hawkeye... It was with him and the tracksuit mafia, the Russians he was fighting. And that whole series is fantastic. And this feels very, it's not the same writer, the same team, but it feels like very kismet to that as like a follow-up kind of storyline. Anyhow, so after he leaves the limousine, we join him back at home. It's, it's later in that evening and he's there with his, with a girl type. And as he's talking to her, he just cannot get what the hood said to him out of his head. Like, he can't let it go. And she's like, you really don't want to just talk about work. You want to come to bed, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, I do. Time for sexy time. And lights go off, and, like, we get some of the sound effects, and then the lights come back on. He's like, you know, I just can't get it out of my head. And she's like, oh, you are terrible. And then we cut from there to a different batch of thugs, currently running from somebody in a car. And we see the character drop down in front of him, and lo and behold, it's Ronan. Which doesn't make a lot of sense, because, well, Ronan has been played by a few different characters, including Blade. The most 
popular time with Ronin was when Hawkeye was Ronin, back whenever he was dead. Yeah. Right. That's where the big mystery is. And this dude takes out the the car they're in. He full-on flips... Well, it's it's a van. He full-on flips the thing, which is not a normal, like... I mean, Blake could do it, I guess. But most people who played Ronin have not had super strength. Right. But he fillets the damn thing, flips it. And then the two thugs try to get away, and of course, it doesn't go well for them, and Ronan puts them down with his sword. From there, we wake, we're the next morning, we join Hawkeye, who's at breakfast. And well, he's, it's kind of, it's funny. But he's sitting there in his, uh, you know, orange and, or no, sorry, his purple and black Hawkeye colored button up. And it's like, I don't know, like a street restaurant, so it's open. And his bird flies above him, and he kind of looks up, and he's like, what? As his bird takes a dump on him, mm-hmm. it's kind of hilarious. Because as soon as he cleans up, he looks up, and who's he see? It's a Winter Soldier and Falcon. He's like, was that your bird? He's like, what if it is? <laughs> so crazy. He's like, probably. Anyway, the two of them are there because there was some street camera footage that showed up from an assault that happened a few nights before that left some dead bodies. And the cameras caught Ronan on video. And they were both here wanting to know if it was Hawkeye. Because Hawkeye has been Ronin. Now, granted, when Hawkeye was Ronin, it was a very different time, and things happened very differently for lots of reasons. The movie, a little different than comic books, of course. Yeah. But it was a very similar idea. Except that he never had a family like that in the comics, but that doesn't matter anyway. For the sake of the book, he's like, are you guys crazy? Like, I gave up that Ronin thing. Like, I don't... No, that's not... It wasn't me. And, of course, Bucky doesn't believe him, and Falcon doesn't believe him, and they're both like, well, we're going to keep an eye on you. He's like, cool, I'm going out tonight to chase the hood, so if you guys want to join along, you can. And uh, from there, we jump to that night, and the three of them are up on the rooftop building waiting for whatever's supposed to happen for the hoods with his uh, his meeting with the other gang. And lo and behold, we join in progress, a beatdown and blood, like fire everywhere, bodies everywhere, and here's Ronan trashing everything. And so all three of them decide to go down and try to stop Ronan. And he's like, see, I told you it wasn't me. And in the process of trying to stop Ronan, like, he shoots a bunch of arrows at him, and Ronan just blocks all of them, destroys them. Bucky tries to shoot him. Hawkeye tries to fight him. Falcon tries to fight him. And the three of them kind of get in each other's way, but he pretty well handles all of them easy. And part of that's probably their own fault, because, like, they're stepping on each other's toes and getting in the way of each other while they're fighting. But uh, at the end, Ronan, of course, knocks them all out and gets away. And basically ends with with Hawkeye telling him, told you it wasn't me. And we're all left with, like, well, who the hell is it? Because, like, explanation-wise, it's not Echo. It's not um, Blade. It's clearly not Hawkeye. So, like, who is this current Ronin is what the big mystery is. Um, series-wise, it's a six-part miniseries. The first issue I thought was fun. Like, if the art's fun. It's not as technical as I normally like. But it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. Um, score-wise, uh, you know, man, I give it a four. Like, it was fun. Like, I, I dig Hawkeye, and I really liked the Everman stories for him. Like, I really loved the the Hawkeye, I think it was the 2017 run, um, where he was dealing with the, the Russians. Like, it, it was great. And this is very kismet to that. So, I don't know. The thing with Hawkeye is that his main power is he's just a really good shot. And that's basically it. Right. He's resilient, willing to take a beating. But those aren't like, that's like traits, not special powers. So, as a thing, I dug it a lot. I gave it a four. Um, 
Book-wise, uh, Josh, what do you know about the uh, free fall? I give it a four. I liked it. I like the addition of Bucky and Falcon, kind of like a little prequel to their upcoming book, dual book they're going to do themselves. I like the art in it. Um, I like the humor in it. Uh, you know, throwing a little mystery in there. Like, I mean, it's a very like basic first issue, like build up, lead up to like, oh, cliffhanger. Who's this thing? What's going on? But I mean, I don't know. Overall, I liked it. I liked the writing. The dialogue was great. Well done. And like I said, the art was really good too. But, um, I mean, I can suffer bad art for good writing, but both were really good. So I give it like a four. Cool. Really solid, solid book. Mr. Ross, what do you know about the uh, Hawkeye? I think I'm in pretty much the same boat as both of you guys. Um, I, in particular, I thought the humor was pretty good in it. And yeah, I like, I like the team up type of books a lot too. So that was my kind of thing right there too, for sure. Sure. You know, I hadn't thought about that being a precursor to their team up book. I hadn't even thought about that. But yeah, we're going to be getting a Hawkeye Falcon book. So, or no, not Hawkeye, sorry. Falcon Winter Soldier book. So that, yeah, interesting. I didn't even think about it being a precursor to that, but maybe it is. It definitely would make sense if it did. Right, at least a step in that direction. Yeah, that's cool. Sweet. Um, You know, I'm going to email Rosenberg and see if we can get an interview with him, maybe. I'm going to try that, people. We'll see what happens. Okay, uh, so we'll move on to the next book. This will be the uh, Legion of Superheroes, number Trace. Yeah, so Legion of Superheroes, number three, uh, is written by Brian Michael Bendis and has art by Ryan Sook and Travis Moore. Um, And before we even start, I just got to say how awesome the cover to this one is because this is the issue with, it looks like Damien from the cover joining the Legion of Superheroes with his Legion ring and battering up in the air. And John is super happy about it, and everyone else is like, seriously? Freaking terrified, yeah. yeah. Um, and that actually, I mean, that's the main plot of this book, I would say. Um, so a little bit of precursor to what's going on in Legion is they've uh, found Aquaman's trident, which that in its own is pretty crazy for a Legion thing, because they normally don't deal with any sort of present-day stuff that's pretty much all its own future stuff or related to Superman. Right. Um, and where they get Aquaman's trident is Planet Gotham. Uh, Planet Gotham's where the prison's at. I think, you know, I don't know if he finds it there or not. I guess he does. I yeah. Think, yeah, I think that's where they found it. Um, and so John thinking that they need to have a bat person to solve the mystery of Aquaman's trident since they found it on planet Gotham. So I guess he just has free access to their time travel stuff. It seems like since the first issue, he just wandered around doing whatever. Uh-huh. And the whole time they've been telling him, Oh, we have a whole presentation for you. You have to watch the presentation. And through the first two issues, he completely ignores what they want him to do. Right. Well, the, the, yeah, they say you should watch your orientation. And it reminds me of like being in school and while they're like, watch orientation. You're like, no, nah, I don't need, I don't need orientation for anything. Right. Um, so of course he just goes back in time and gets Damien and brings him to the future. And the first thing that happens is Damien almost dies getting brought to the future because oh, the yeah. atmosphere isn't the same anymore. Yeah. Yeah. He's having to be basically suffocating. It's crazy. Right. Um, and the other, uh, side story to this that's going on is the guy they took Aquaman's trident from was getting it for, uh, this crazy warlord guy. Right. That, 
that you don't really recognize at the start, but through the book we find out is Ultra Boy's dad. <laughs> Father Wong, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so during the book, uh, we have this giant struggle with them trying to diplomatically talk to Father One, and instead they end up. I think first it's Monel knocks him out. Yeah, and they they arrest him and bring him back to the Legion home world, um, and that's where you find out that he's Ultra Boy's dad. Right. Well, like the when he first punches him out, he's like, "Oh no, we have another problem because by the law of." this world you're now currently the leader of the planet right because it's like a crazy warlord yeah which is nuts um and so when they bring him back he of course wakes up again and when he wakes up they're trying to like hold him back again and instead superboy goes and knocks him out again right um so both kryptoniums take him out pretty much right it it is kind of a funny thing because those three characters Ultra Boy has all Superman's powers, but he can only use them one at a time. So I'm assuming that Father One is probably the same thing. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe. Uh, um, Monel is basically a Superman character, too, where he's weak to lead instead of kryptonite, but the same type of character. Right. And then Superboy. So you had kind of all three of them there taking cool. on the same. Well, Monel's from the same planet as what's his name from the Green Lantern Corps? He's uh, Daxamite. Daxamite, mm-hmm. yeah. So they have the same powers of exposed to the yellow sun. Right. Yep. They're like cousins of the super, the... Right, not exactly the same, but... um, So the whole whole issue revolves around this crazy diplomatic, you know... The Legion of Superhero politics that's going on, I don't quite comprehend exactly yet. It kind of seems like they follow their own rules, but um, they don't really govern everything. It's not like... They're the police. It's like they just kind of do their own thing, and you know, like, the way they fit in the world is like every world has their own batch of rules and are part of a giant consortium of planets. But it, the police, because they're supposed to be the police group, but it's not like they have. Of course, the characters we dealt with don't necessarily care about them being in charge or them being the police at all, really. But yeah, who they're in trouble by? Because they're all like, "Oh no, we're in a lot of trouble because we arrested the leader of this planet." Mm. But who are they in trouble from? Eh, I have right. no idea. Um, and so during all this, uh, the other legionnaires find out they brought Robin back. Right. And in a, like a little side thing, Brainiac Five has made it so he can live in the future now. Yeah, I gave him one of the breathing patches that lets you be able to breathe. Right. But as soon as Saturn Girl figures out that they brought Robin back, she starts freaking out and right. saying, he can't be here. We need to bring him back right now. And and she does like, her um, mind powers on him and makes him kind of like fall asleep and forget that he'd ever been there. Right. She tells Superboy, I'm going to take him back right now. It'll be fine. He won't remember anything. I'm going to return him to his own time. Right. And the whole time Superboy's like, well, why can't he be here? If he can't be here, how come I can be here? I shouldn't be here either then. And kind of has a whole breakdown about that, too. And they're like, well, you need to go watch the orientation. You just need to watch the orientation. Right. It'll make sense. Um, and they make a comment a little while later when they're, I think it's when they're putting, oh, it's when they're searching the prison when they're trying to find out information on Aquaman's trident. Right. But they make the comment of, oh, it's like bringing baby Hitler to the future. Right. Talking about Damien. Right. And then they're like, well, that's the future we're trying to avoid by doing this. But uh, 
it kind of answers my question because I've always wondered why Legionnaires always go back and bring like only Superman people to the future because they've done literally every they've done Superman, Supergirl, Superboy, and now John Kent, Superboy. Right. I think the only time they keep looking for a Batman was whenever Saturn Girl shows up in the present during the, the beginning of Rebirth, and that kind of went nowhere. Right. Well, even then, though, they weren't, like, trying to bring him to the future. To... No, no. She was looking for Batman for help, but mm-hmm. it wasn't. But speaking of baby Hitler, like, Superboy Prime was, like, the worst person ever. Right. Well, he wasn't really, uh... Wasn't from this universe. Yeah. But he was part of the... Superboy Prime? Uh-uh. He was part of the Legion of Superheroes. Oh, the, you know, when they bring 50 Superboy forward, it would have been the same guy. But oh, it was before really? he went evil. Oh. Yeah, huh. those Superboy stories, in theory, would have been the same character. Yeah. yeah that's Man, that's crazy. crazy. I hadn't thought about that So at he all. is <laughs> baby Hitler in right. a sense. But he didn't become that until much later. Like, when they went and got him, timeline-wise, it would have been... Still, when he was good. And to be fair, Damien uh, kind of is baby Hitler. I think both Dick and <laughs> Tim have called him that on multiple right. occasions. So Right. Well, he's the more angsty of the group. Right. More killy. How about that? More killy. I, I wouldn't say angsty. I'm just <laughs> like, oh, you know, like Jason Todd's a angsty, but like Damien's just a horrible kid. <laughs> he, to be fair, he has gotten a lot better in yes. the present. He's not quite as much like, I'm just going to murder the bad guy and be done with it. But Yeah, he's gotten a lot softer in his age. Like the one year of it, I guess. Since he's turned 13, from I mean, 10 to 13. yeah, God. Has Batman ever just straight up just punched his own kid in the face? I think so. I think that's happened. I feel like I've Batman seen that issue. Yeah. Just, just grabbed him and just punched him in the face? I mean, I, like... I think it was more of a smack, but I don't... I don't remember if that's something I just feel like I've seen in my head, or if it was something that was real. Well, they definitely redid that, you know, the the picture that was going around online for a oh, while. Oh, yeah, of, the smacking Robin picture, Batman yeah. Batman smacking Robin. They well, did that with Damien. Yeah, they did. I forgot about that. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, so yeah, overall as an issue, uh, I'd probably give it a three out of five. I'm I'm excited to see where the Legion of Superheroes is going to go. Um, it's definitely more of like a John Kent book with extra Legionnaires in the background, but um, you know stuff like him interacting with Monel and and the other legionnaires being like do you know who he is where like how he relates or anything right but that actually makes me wonder if there's something that we don't know about him too in this version of it but i, mean, I have to assume so because the legion resets so not crazy often but they're so far in the future that storyline wise like what pieces we know what pieces change i mean just look at lightning lad he's entirely different in this so. right and that i mean that's the big thing for this legion is they're all different they have right. been before um, the other thing I really like is that you kind of get to explore some of the other Legionnaires, like uh, like you see their races and that sort of thing. We've never really gotten that before. Right. They've always just been kind of assumed to be from Earth and or similar type of planets. And in this case, you actually get to see, you know, Ultra Boys from this crazy warlord right. world. And um, art in the book is really good. Uh, Bendis's writing is pretty good for the most part. Um. Yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm disappointed that they went with the typical trick and Damien isn't really going to be there, but <laughs> I did see that coming too. So, right. You don't think they're going to bring him back? No, nah, I think that he's probably done in it. I just don't. The, yeah. they, they make too much of an issue about who he is and what he does and things and how they were trying to avoid this to like for him to not be back in this story. Right. I kind of I kind of took that as they this is the reason why he's not going to be in it. But I 
that'd be way cool if they brought him back. I think that'd be awesome. Who do you think? Because they don't, they don't give him a full name, but the person they go see in prison trying to get information about the Triton. Mm-hmm. Who do you think that really is underneath the mask? Uh, I think that's a Legion villain we've seen before okay. in other stuff. I I can't say that for sure, but. I don't. I don't think that's who it is or okay. anything. I had a sneaky suspicion it's going to turn out to be Damien, but then we didn't get there. So no, he looks more like a uh, like a dark magic type of guy, right? To me. But well, I guess you never know. Maybe when they, crazy. When they, whenever they talk about him being on pr- Planet Gotham, the prison, mm. they talk about him having magic powers, which doesn't fit Damien at all. But in my head, I'm just like, man, when they see that mask come off, I wonder. Right, that'd be cool. But I don't know enough Legion in general. I mean, Rob's a Legion guy, not me, so... Yeah, and I, I've i gotten into it, but I don't know who that guy is, for sure. Right. He, well, he appeared in the f- first time in 1968, so huh. he's been around a while. He's like a pretty, pretty old-school uh, Legion superheroes character. So Yeah, all right. He's created by Jim Shooter. Um, he first first appeared in Adventure Comics number 369. Right. Cool. Adventure Comics was the Legion book for a long time. It was. Jim Shooter, which we, if you haven't listened to the older podcast, there's, we have an interview with Jim Shooter from a few years ago that we talked a little bit about when he started doing that. Because when he was writing that book, he was, he was like 13 years old when he would oh, start geez. working for DC. Yeah, that's crazy. And granted, it is quite a few years ago, and the rules for being able to work places was a lot different law-wise. But yeah, like, it's crazy. Anyway, so yeah, if you guys want to hear that interview, look for the Jim Shooter episode. Um, Score-wise, Josh, what do you know about the book? What else do you know about that guy? Um, he, well, he's sometimes depicted as a present-day adversary of the Justice Society. Um, he's also an adversary to Amethyst, Princess of Gem World, who's been showing up in um, Young Justice. Um, Mordru's primary foes are the Legion of Superheroes, though. In the future world of the 30th and 31st centuries, he's arguably the team's most powerful enemy. But um, he is the most prominent Lord of Chaos and is fated to survive even after the end of the universe. And he's usually shown as a powerful wizard. So he's almost an opposite of Dr. Fate, then. Because Dr. Oh, Fate's yeah. the Lord of Order. That's right. Well, Ameth is getting her own book, too, pretty soon. So I wonder if we'll see him show up in there just in the modern time. But he is, um, he begins his existence as Rin, one of the twin sons of Lord Topaz and Lady Turquoise. Okay. So that, go- that goes to the whole Young Versus. Yeah. yeah. So, like, again, like, the three of us have all said, like, I'm not the biggest Legion like scholar, so I'm not sure too much about him, but right. it seems like they're making him a little bit more darker and crazy. What's crazy is they've been dealing with Gemworld a lot in Young Justice right now, too, which is also Bendis writing that. So right. it makes me wonder if there's some sort of connection there, too. It could be. I don't know who's writing. Gosh, I don't know who's writing the new book for her. I wonder if I don't know if he's doing it or not. Interesting. Uh, Ross, did you score that book? I think you did, right? Yeah, I gave it a three. Okay. I give it a three and a half. I, I thought it was a really good book. I mean, it made me interested in the Legion of Superheroes. I like I like John Kent. I was kind of disappointed when they brought him back as so much older. Right. I liked him a lot better as a kid, but... I do, too. I thought it was cool when he was younger, and like him and Damien's relationship I thought was cooler, and it even shows when they stand side by side, Damien's significantly shorter than him, so right. like, I think that Damien's, what, 13, and like John's supposed to be, what, 17? I think so. Or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a little weird, but... uh I don't know. I mean, 
I mean, we'll see. I'm curious to see where they go with it. It's kind of like, I've never, the books of the Legion of Superheroes that I've read before, I never noticed that they, like, named planets after things of, like, Earth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, the, like, planet Gotham. Right. Like, I've only, I've only ever noticed that in, like, the DC 1 million stuff. Right. So that actually goes, goes back to what I was talking about, the Legion of Superheroes before. They've never really had any other ties to other, um, DC superheroes in the present, typically. So you've never gotten anything like, what's going on with the Batman people now? Or So the fact that we have a planet Gotham and we're like going over the mystery of Aquaman's trident and stuff is all pretty different. Right. Um, the one exception to that is when they did, which if you haven't read this, this is a really good book, uh, Jeff Johns' uh, Superman in the Legion of Superheroes. One of the substitute heroes could channel all the different lantern powers. But they had a. She could channel the powers, but she couldn't control her emotions. So she would randomly just get angry and have the rage one, or get scared and have the yellow power. So it made her almost worthless because she couldn't control any of them, but she had all of them. Right. So Amethyst will. um, Her her solo book will come out in February, and it's going to be part of the one year anniversary of DC's Wonder Comics, the imprint curated by Brian Michael Bendis, featuring DC's younger characters. And I guess they're going to do a big culmination of all the characters from that imprint in uh, Young Justice, issue number 12. That should be cool. It'd be way awesome. Heck yeah. That book's been really good. Young yeah. Justice? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love all those characters, so that's just like kind of... It's weird that that imprint kind of focuses on all like younger readers, but like that book isn't mm. that way for me, I yeah. think. I mean, it, it reads just as well as this book does. Yeah, so. I really, really like Young Justice, too. Yeah, I think I think maybe it's just that they're younger characters, not necessarily younger readers. Because even the uh, Wonder Twins book isn't like like some of the jokes in it don't make sense unless you were around in the eighties. So I kind of don't think that they're designed for kid readers. Really, I think that the characters are all just younger in them. Hmm. But yeah, interesting. Um, well, score wise for that book, I mean, yeah, I give it a four because I love Ryan Sook. I think he's great. Ben is a good writer. I mean, that's a higher score than I normally give something, but I like Ryan Sook a lot. Like, art-wise, he's fantastic. So, I really appreciate that. I do like the uh, shade with other characters. And of the Legion, I dig Saturn Girl. I've always kind of liked her. And when she started showing up in the weird Rebirth books, I was like, my God, this should be freaking amazing. But, unfortunately, that didn't really go anywhere, like I said earlier. Sorry. Uh, but, as a thing, I've always thought she was great. So... I do dig seeing her do stuff, and the Damien thing is really pretty cool. And again, Ryan Suck does art wise. I think the dude's amazing. So yeah, so yeah, that, I, I probably scored it higher because of that, which is not how you're supposed to do things. But oh well, oh well. Right. Um, so after that, I guess we'll move on to the uh, Leslie Claire Redemption from uh, Image Comics, and this is by uh, John Upchurch. He's the uh, writer and artist on the book both. Uh, as far as series are concerned, I think the probably last time you really saw art from him, I want to say it was on uh, Rat Queens at the very beginning of the series. Um, anyhow, so covers, it's got AB covers. Both covers were great. Uh, as far as series, it looks like they're going to have AB covers throughout because they've done it for the first couple issues. Um, when the book first opens up, we get this kind of crazy quote about um, unimaginable... So the quote reads, Every day without you is unimaginable pain. 
And w- with every day that passes, the pain only grows worse. And it's a quote from, from John of Church, which I thought that was kind of cool. And what regards this to, I assume personal life, but no idea. Anyhow, uh, when the book first starts, we open up and it's got a quote statement telling us it's four months ago. And we're outside of like a drive-up diner, you know, restaurant type place. We go inside and we got a bunch of people just in there eating. Looks like kind of a truck stop type. And this lady starts talking to the dude and sitting next to her. And both of them are talking about how times have changed and how it's so much better now. The werewolves are gone, which is crazy because werewolves. Okay. Um, partway through there, we start talking about the, uh, the one that killed all the werewolves, this Lucy character and how everybody thinks she's dead now. And, uh, partway through the conversation, the man looks at her and he's like, it's a real good thing she's gone. And all of a sudden we see him full on, like, transform into a werewolf. And he pretty well obliviates everybody inside the, the restaurant. Yeah, kills all of them, eats all of them. Jeez. It's a bloody mess. Um, from there, we jump three weeks ago, and we've got a batch of, uh, folks wandering through the woods. And they're all talking to each other. They're all geared up to to try to hunt werewolves. And they got a guy with them who's supposed to be the... He's the best werewolf hunter around, you know, as far as people they can get a hold of. And uh, they're going to find these werewolves and put them down so we don't have another incident like at the at the restaurant. Well, partway through there, our great werewolf hunter winds up getting snatched in the woods by what we basically see as a blur in the back of, like, a hairy beast. So werewolf. And uh, he's dragged off in the woods... We assume Eaton, because we don't see him ever again. Um, from there, we flash to a bright, sunny day in, like, a park. And we've got a woman sitting there next to a tree watching these three kids play. And the three kids come up to her. They're like, oh, everything's great. How's everything going? We love you, Mommy. Everything's awesome. And then partway through, we see Mom's hands catch on fire. Till eventually, the entire scene is a fire blaze. And then Mother wakes up inside of a prison cell and it tells us it's today inside the prison cell she's talking to the uh the guy in the cell next to her is like i know who you are you should you shan't you can't be here and she's like you don't know who i am you don't know anything about me and of course he just continues to chatter up like oh yeah i know who you are you're that that werewolf killer girl and partway through the conversation she grabs a hold of his shirt and slams his head against the inside of the bars and she's like you leave me alone you don't know anything about anything about that time the sheriff shows up and the sheriff is like, here's the guy crying, help me, help me, because she's basically choking him through the bars. And he tells her, hey, Lucy, we're, we're getting you out. You, you need to let him go. Get outside here. So he takes her out in the front lobby, and they have a chit-chat about how she needs to quit getting wasted and getting arrested. And, uh, of course, she fawns the idea that, you know, she, she, she'll do better, blah, blah. And uh, he's like, you know, I really hate seeing you in here. Your life was so different before. And she's like, who bailed me out anyway? He's like, oh. Yeah, you got a guy waiting for you in the lobby. And she comes out to the lobby area leaving, and we see the kid from the woods earlier, uh, who we find out his name is Slim. And Slim's got kind of a, I don't know, kid and play haircut, the eraser top, for the most part. And uh, he's bailed her out because he needs her help. And what he needs her help with is, of course, werewolves. And she's like, oh, you got me confused with somebody else, kid. I'm not, I'm not that person. That's not, I'm not the one that did all that. He's like, well... Why don't you just come here and talk to my friends and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll feed you and pay you and, you know, uh, we just need your help. And she's like, I need a place to crash. And so he basically takes her back to his house and she passes out on the couch. Where we get this crazy dream um, where we see an elder type pass down this crazy locket thing to her and then basically get melted away into blood. 
Uh, there's a lot of cool dialogue that they basically talk about why it is she's destined to fight werewolves. Um, partway through that, then when the dream ends, she, of course, wakes up, and the kid's sitting there with his friend, and the two of them are talking. She's like, there's no way this is the right person. Like, There's no way she could be the savior. There's no way. And uh, as she wakes up, she goes, you, you guys know there's no more werewolves, right? Like, they're all gone. And he's like, no, no, they're not. Not at all. And about that time, we wind up having a batch of werewolves show up for the kids, because they've been hunting them since the woods with the other hunter. And uh, even though she doesn't really want to help, reluctantly she basically springs into action and winds up whooping these werewolves. It's crazy. Like, she punches one, his face breaks in half. It's nuts. Like, ability-wise, she needs one in the face, and you see his underjaw come all the way up into the front, like crazy underbite style. And she kills the crap out of him. It's awesome. Uh, once she gets done, she tells them all that she's going to have to think about helping them, and she'll be happy to talk with them after they have pancakes. And that's basically where the book wraps, after she kills these three crazy-looking werewolf things out in the street, and then she basically asks for breakfast the next morning, or breakfast right afterwards. Um, Action-wise, it moves really cool, the art's great. Story, I... I thought the story was fun. I mean, it's killing werewolves, so I dig it. The werewolves look awesome. I think Upchurch is a good artist. Uh, Score-wise, I'm going to give it a three and a half. Again, it was a fun read. Like, I dug it. I like the character design, but, I mean, she's a crazy-looking redhead with a sword half the time. And that concept in general, I think, is neat. So, uh, Ross, do you know anything about the the Lucy Redemption? Or Lucy Claire Redemption? Werewolves are one of my favorite things ever. I know. Um, the book looks pretty cool. I like the art in it. Uh, pretty interesting story. I think it's kind of weird that werewolves were just like a normal thing at one point, and now they they think they're gone, and they're not really gone type of thing. Um, I'd probably give it a... I'd probably give it a three and a half out of five. I, I liked it. For first issue, it's cool. Excited to see where it'll go. Sure. Josh, you anything about the uh, Redemption? Uh, I like the art a lot. I like the, I like that first scene in the woods at the beginning when, like, the kid's holding, like, the crazy anime sword and the bow and arrow and the staff and, like, the, the guy that has the, the one character has a, that, like, literally has a hammer. Right. Pretty interesting. Like, the art's fantastic. Like, the flashback scenes of, like, her and her daughters and all that stuff's really cool. Um, the word scene with the old lady, like, taking off the amulet and as soon as she takes the amulet off, like, this crazy gashes on her face to start oh, to yeah. come back, and then she just disappears into the water. I, I don't know. Like, it's a pretty fluid book. It, it flows really well. I, I, I like where it could go. Right. But again, with like, there's so many monster books. That's true. I give it That's a, true. I give, I give it a low rating. I only give it the three, just because it's like, I'm gonna give you middle ground, <laughs> just to see where you go with it, because like. It could very easily go really terrible and boring and gross, or it could just be like amazing and be like the next Walking Dead type stuff. Right. So just where do you go with it? Like you take it because you a first issue you can put all your eggs in one basket and go with it, and then change artists and change this and change that, or just make it amazing the whole time. So that's my that's always my worry with Monster Book. Sure. Right. Well, I think with Upchurch doing everything on it at this point, I, I don't think we'll see a slump like that, only because it's him driving the boat entirely. So, But yeah, generally speaking, if a, it's other books that he's been connected to, not his fault. 
well, possibly his fault. I don't really know the real reasoning why any of that happened, uh, for why Rat Queen stopped the first time. I mean, there's speculation in the world and some nonsense between people. Anyway, I, I don't know enough to be able to talk about it smartly, so I'm going to stop. Smartly is also not a word. It is a word because I said it. Okay. I'll show you smartly. All right, Doctor Strange number one. See, Surgeon Senor. Supreme. See, Surgeon Supreme. Cough, um, cough, cough, half, hack, hack, hack. <laughs> ready? Right. You guys ready? Yep. Yeah. You guys ready? Of course. All right. Arguably the best book of the night. I like this book a lot. It, the art's great. I'm prefacing it. Story's pretty Story's cool. Story's cool. So, book starts off, um, I like the beginning starts off black and white, but then like these crazy demon mantra things are in color. And it's Doctor Strange, and he's has previously made a deal with a demon to get his hands back. And which is the thing that he to be became the Sorcerer Supreme to begin with. Because of his hands being destroyed in the car wreck, yeah. He goes looking for that and becomes Sorcerer Supreme. And, um, yeah. So, let me pull up my notes, too, because I got some crazy notes. Because I was unsure of a few characters in this, and I had to do some research and some digging. So, it starts out with, like, a guy with cancer, and he's like, how bad is it, Doc? And he's like, oh, you have a pretty bad brain tumor. And he's like, yeah, like, yeah, it's, they said it's unoperable, it's this, it's this. Like, he's like, oh, no, they said it's too aggressive, no, we can remove it. And he's like, I can. And then it just it goes to him walking through the halls of the hospital, and he sees, like, demons floating over certain patients. And he's just, like, doing his Sorcerer Supreme thing, being, like, shaking his head, being like, that's ridiculous. And he sees things other people don't see. Right. I'm like all these, some of these diseases seem to be connected to the demons, even. Yeah, and um, they, it's it's a lot of him reintroducing himself, which I don't know when the last time Doctor Strange had his own book. You know, they had one that finished up maybe maybe four or five months ago, but as far as an origin to the idea of him being connected to the hospital, the last few series have all been about the magic. So if you never saw the movie and weren't aware of Doctor Strange, this is a departure from where the other stuff. St- has started right. so it's more like all his inner monologue is really just origin story stuff to get past it so if you're aware of strange and you're a big fan of strange it's gonna be stuff you know so um as he's kind of introducing himself and talking about how he's got his hands back and um how he's a brilliant surgeon and that's what he loves to do and he is just a man and he does surgery on the guy and takes the tumor out and he's like talks about how his life is all about balance now, and how he doesn't ever use his sorcerer supreme powers when he's doing surgery. He devoted like a week of his time to f- try to create a thirty-hour day that doesn't exist. Um, he also tried to create a special door to the Sanctum Sanctorum straight to his office, but also other people can go through that door as well. So he's like, that's probably not a good idea. And all the while he's talking, it's like him going, like, doing the surgery, walking home going through the door and then like the cloak comes up and he just like falls into the cloak like it's a couch or a bed and just like talks about how draining like he forgot how draining being um, a surgeon is the next scene is going to his assistant and he's like speaking of draining all the paperwork that goes into being a doctor and a surgeon and but he has a brilliant assistant who can do that all for him as long as he shares stories of um, him being Doctor Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme. Of interest, but only yeah. but 
only once one question a time a day. That's right. the that's the rule. I thought that was so funny. Um but he still hasn't even answered some of the questions like um you still haven't told me how the mindless ones can respond to orders if they're mindless. And he's like, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> so And then he walks into his office and there's administrator Hagen, um, a side character is there to talk to him, but like how he's already caused so many problems and this and this and this. He's out from protocol. He's like, yeah, that guy's an old man. He couldn't peel an orange with a chainsaw and this and this and this. And then she basically is there just to say, Hey, I'm just wondering if you're going to give me some heads up on my new boss. And he's like, yeah, and who's that? And he's like, Dr. Anthony Ludgate. And if you don't know who that is, I didn't because I'm not the biggest. Well, it's understandable. It's a character from like, wait, it's one of the oldest. God, character wise, he's really, really Well, old. his name's Dr. Druid. Yes. And basically, he was the, um, Who's the guy that, who's the person that trained Doctor Strange, the, the elder, the old, the... Ancient one. The ancient one. He was, he was the ancient one's second pick if Doctor Strange didn't work out. Right. So, um, and that's just, it's a brief mention, which we'll see. At this point, he's supposed to be dead. Right. And so we'll see where that goes. I assume that he's going to be a crux of part of what the story's going to be about because he does not get dug out of the closet very often. And as a thing, I mean, he's he's an old character, but he doesn't use Harley at all. So then, as he's in the office, he gets um, it's a code blue, all available doctors at the ER. So he runs down there, and there's just like people coming in, like a line of ambulances, like a bunch of buildings are collapsing, going crazy. And he's just like, well, I could probably do more. Better work here. He's like, this is a big deal. So he gets into his uh, Doctor Strange outfit and heads down and see what's going on. And he starts helping the firefighters out because he's like, fires aren't going out like they're supposed to. Um, things just aren't going well. And he's like, something's up. Something magical's going on. And then all of a sudden, out of like, he sees like two people dead, but they're um, the Eye of Agamotto sees them, and it's just like something twisted and broke them that wasn't of the natural plane. And then, um, a young girl, like her, her dad had died and he like puts her to sleep and sends her in to the trauma ward. Cause like things are just not going well. And all of a sudden, um, weirdly of all characters, I thought the wrecker shows up. Right. Hmm. It's a super like C list villain, like not, right. Not powerful, not, I mean, kind of, but not, he just, just a throwaway guy. And he's, but he's got a gigantic, like enchanted crowbar. Right. And he's just like, and he's just destroying, crushing things for no reason whatsoever, which like, he's just like, yep, I'm doing it. And then he just, um, Dr. Strange can't rein him in. He's just like, yep, you have no say over me. I can do whatever I want. And then he actually takes the crowbar and wraps it around some, like some, uh, rebar, Twist around Doctor Strange, right? Throws him to a lake. I'm like the wrecker. The whole the wrecking crew all have enchanted objects. That's how their power works at all. So kind of like what Thor used to be, except it doesn't turn into another person. It just makes them super strong as long as they have their weapon. So this bigger version that's way more powerful than his normal weapon is completely crazy and not like just very different. Because uh, even with their magic items, they're still sea listers, like 100%. They show up to break stuff and fight, like, the Thing or the Hulk or whoever. 
but their whole bag is the enchanted items, and this version of the enchanted item is so much crazier, and he's so much more powerful, it's nuts. So anyway, Mark Wade, Keb Walker are the storytellers, and that's where it leaves it. It doesn't really say like who writes or draws. It just says storytellers. Yeah. Wade, so. well, Wade, Wade's the guy that writes it, but yeah, it, it is neat that they didn't. But Wade's drawn in the past, has he not? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, I don't think he has. Mm-hmm. He's wrote a fair amount of Daredevil. Um, well, I, know, I knew Mark Wade is, but... Right. He did a uh, series, got this a while back, the Incorruptible and Invincible, or in, Incorruptible and Irredeemable. They're both fantastic, um, series-wise. But yeah, the end where he basically just dumped in the lake is crazy. Uh, do you guys score for that book, Josh? Um, I, I liked it a lot. I gave it a four and a half. Um, Doctor Strange is a book that I haven't, like, a character I haven't really read that much ever. I've always thought he was just kind of like, meh. Like, I like Doctor Fate, and I, I'm more of a DC guy, and I like right. the more mystical, like, crazy, like, aspect of things. But he's one character that Benedict Cumberbatch, like, the actor made me like the character better in comics. Sure. And they haven't so drastically changed him in the comics to make him like Benedict Cumberbatch that, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm only reading it for that. Like, they kind of have Tony Stark a little bit. Character-wise, they're both those ones are very similar to the person they hired to play the part. Yeah, but they're they just cast really well. I've I've read Iron Man for like in Avengers oh, yeah. for years, and like they write Tony Stark as Robert Downey Jr. Now, like oh, yeah, it's kind of sure. hard not to. Like Robert Downey really created, made that character who he is now. Right, but. Strange hasn't Doc, been affected the same way. It's, yeah, it's not as drastically noticeable. Like, and it's not, actually not noticeable at all to me. Right. And it was it was a good book. It's cool. I'm curious to see where they're gonna go. I like the way he's like doing double duty. He's like, I have all these mystical powers, but I still love being a surgeon. I love helping people. I love being a doctor. And in this book, he really talks about like how it used to be all about. He wanted to be the best, just to be the best, and now he's doing it because he knows he is the best. And he knows he can do things that other people can't. And he's just about being helpful. And I liked that a lot. He's like, really, come around. Right. And that, I thought that was cool. So I'm curious to see where it goes. I mean, it's actually a book that I'm going to actually pick up myself because it's, it's pretty neat. Um, the art is fantastic. Like, I really do. I give it like four and a half. Like, it's a really good book. Yeah. So. And I fall asleep with you. I mean, I, score-wise, I guess it's a night for high scores, but I give it a four. Book-wise, like, the art's really good. As far as series, I mean, Strange, he tends to run through series lately, but as far as stories, I don't really feel like any of them really bad. Like, this one's really got a different edge to it, doing the dual dual identity thing for him, where he's juggling both versions of life, and while he's talking about doing surgery on the guy, the dude with the cancer in his head, part of the reason he's in trouble at the hospital is because he's doing surgeries that the hospital will never give him permission to do, and that's part of why all the paperwork's happening. So, like, he's even... Doing that, like picking cases that you shouldn't pick, which is a cool thing. And if, if you've ever watched the doctor drama TV show, you know that's how those work. That's the way House worked the entire time it was on. It was all about that weird edge. So, like, I dug that too. And I mean, the Wrecking Crew, while they are C listers, I do dig the Wrecking Crew. They're, they're so silly. But I, I, I do like them. So it was cool seeing him. Uh, so, score is I give it a four. I mean, Mark Wade's a solid writer, and then for a long time, whenever the the two indie books he was doing were going on, there was T-shirts going around that were Mark Wade is evil because of uh, Irredeemable, which is so dark. It was awesome, 
but as far as a writer, the dude, he's great. He's a nice guy, too, so it's awesome. Anyway, yeah, so four. Ross, what do you know about the uh, surgeon? I'd give it a four, too. Um, I, I like the idea that they're focusing a little bit on the surgeon side of him. Um, I really like the idea that the like diseases and stuff are kind of linked to the demons. I thought that was cool, yeah. Um, but yeah, really good issue. Like you said, Mark Wade's awesome writer. The art's great in it. I like that they credit them both as storytellers at the end of it. I think that's something that they should do more. Um, yeah, four out of five. Sweet. Um, uh, so we want to talk about Superman 18? wants to tell me a story about it, Superman. I don't think there's anything worth talking about. That's not true. Nah, this book is boring. It's not true either. Superman 18. The Clark can't reveal. Which we kind of talked about on the last episode a tiny bit. Last, Um, last, last, last episode. Maybe a few episodes ago. A few episodes ago. Okay. Because last one was Morbius. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, This is a Bendis again, writer-wise. It's being drawn by... uh, uh, Ivan Reyes. Yeah, yeah, he's one of my favorites. He had uh, Aquaman right at the start. He did. Sorry, New Fifty Two. New Fifty Two Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jeff Johns and stuff. Uh, I knew what you were talking about timelines. So, so this book takes place between two different um, events: one of Clark, Clark slash Cal um, getting ready to reveal his secret identity finally. Right. And um, between going back to that and like the meeting of the um, international whatever intergalactic council of planets, basically that John Kent supposedly set up, which to me I thought I maybe something had happened after leading the superheroes, but it's I don't know when that that happened. That happened in an earlier issue of Superman. Basically, John Kent was like, how come we don't all get along? And then they all they were like, oh, that's a good idea. That's how he, that's why John was sent to the Legion. Because they gotcha. came back, they're like, oh, you started our thing that started the Legion years later. So Gotcha. So this book starts out with him listening, and he's like listening to all the reporters talking about like what are we all meeting here for what's going on they used to serve free ice cream on fridays now they're doing just free coffee and he walks up to the stage and starts his speech and there's i mean there's like a million zillion people there in front of the daily planet and um then it flashes to thangar where they elected the first um united planet I guess president. Yeah, he's up there talking with Adam Strange, and he's a Thangarian and Adam Strange. Yeah, well, well, then Adam Strange shows up, and he's just like, "Hey, Superman, what's up, man?" He's like, "I'm here just in case this happens." He's like, "Yeah, I told him not to come." They're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> of course he did. Yeah, because he's like he's Superman, you know? Like, yeah. he really is. That that's there's little simple like if you write Superman well, it's little things like that that's like that's cool, right? Because Superman is that like. Intimidating to people like, oh, Superman said not do this. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> and like that, that's the kind of stuff that's like it shows, like his power. And and his sister has this conversation with Adam Strange, who is a an Earthling, yeah. but he's been off Earth for a long time. Yeah, and he's like he sees things from a different perspective, and he's talking about like I have 
a secret identity. And he's like, you're not Batman, are you? You are Batman. Like, he's like, no, I'm not Batman. So funny. Which, which is hilarious, but... And he's like, talks about having a desk. And he's like, you have a desk? And he's just like so shocked about everything. And, and it's just like, just so you know, like, I get why you did it to begin with. But I also want to know now, like, those are two so, so totally different things. Because now you're a dad and a husband. It's like, why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. And it's just like a really cool moment. Because it's just him and Adam Strange. Who, Adam Strange doesn't get the play that he deserves, I don't think. Like, he shows up periodically. Like he's in the new Black Stars thing, right? Or well, no, he was in the new Green Lantern. Green Lantern. Um, and, but he just he doesn't get the play that he deserves. He's such a cool character. I think he's, they're they're setting him up for some big things. I think so too, like because he keeps showing up in random places. There's a new Tom King book coming out about there him is. too. Yeah, same guy who did the uh, so they they did Mr. Miracle. Him and uh, Drew, oh gosh, what's the guy's name? The artist. Oh, I can man. picture the art. I can't Mitch, Mitch Gerard's. Yeah. Gerard's? Gerard. Gerard. Yeah. I always say his last name wrong. Anyway, the two of them did Mr. Miracle. They're going to be doing a, a Adam Strange book also. So I wonder if this stuff is simply to put that moving forward. I don't know that for sure, but it may be. Adam Strange has been showing up pretty consistently in this book, too, for the past couple of the years. The Superman run, yeah. Which I think is great, but... Anyway, it flashes back to Clark Kent, and he's walking through the Daily Plan offices, and from his desk, and it walks on the the wall, and it's like all these actually super crazy classic Superman covers, but as Daily Planet covers, which I thought was oh, neat man. in the background. I um, didn't even notice that. You didn't? First like, time I read yeah. it. Yeah, that's yeah, like, cool. Super rad. And then he walks into Perry's office, and he like sees like Perry's like heart racing and stuff, and he like he walks in, and he's just like, hey, Perry, I talked to you. And you just like, it, but there's no words. It's just like him opening a shirt. Perry falls down, and then he goes over and he hugs him. And it's just like it's a pretty amazing moment because it's like when you're that close with somebody, and it just ne- that you never put the two and two together. You're like, I can see where that would have never been. Like, why would I ever think that Clark was Superman? Right? Because I'm, you're so you're you're so involved in your daily tasks. Mm. Just like, oh, I'm going to try and figure out what this person, who this person I, I really might be. It's just like, no, I'm just going to get this paper out because it, this is what I'm all about. So right. I can, like, people are like, well, you know, how can, how can, like, Superman have gotten away with that for so many years? It's like, right. well, you got to think about who's been around. Like, Lois knew it almost immediately mm-hmm. because she's different, you know, but, like, their relationship was different. And they make that joke a couple pages after this, too. Right. Um, these couple of pages reminded me a lot of the Robin R.I.P. issue. Oh, the silent issue. Yeah. yeah. The issue eight, 18. Yeah. Yeah. So then it flashes to Jimmy in Gotham. Which I, uh, why is Jimmy in Gotham? Because he's a photo, photo, photo guy. He has his own book going on right now. I kind of think he was in Gotham when this came out. Uh-huh. Oh. The, he has, there's currently a series running called uh, Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen. Um, we're right now, I would think around issue six or s- I think seven hasn't come out yet, I don't think. But it's a 12 part miniseries. Issue five, we have a cover with Jimmy driving the, uh, driving the Batmobile. So he was in Gotham for his own story during his own thing. And this guy came around the same time. So either it's just really great planning on the editing staff or bizarre. So I'm gonna go with good planning because it makes sense. 
Right. So anyway, he's in Gotham taking a picture of a dead penguin, and there's a missile on the penguin, and he's like walking all over the crime scene, and the cop's like, "Man, what do you?" Do? He's like, "No, it's cool, no it's cool. I'm Jimmy Olsen. It's cool. I can do. I can do this kind of stuff. Like <laughs> Superman's my buddy." And it's just like what? Like the guy, the cop's like, "No, like you can't." And he's and the Superman was like, "Hey guys." There's a thing under the collar. It's this, this. It's a, it's a red herring. It's actually Scarecrow, and like, and the cops like, huh, okay. Yeah, I love how quick Superman just solves that whole thing. Just instantly, because like, again, it's those little things that, if written well, makes Superman a great, a great character. Because mm-hmm. Superman can either be written amazingly or horribly, mm-hmm. and this is one of those situations that you just because like he has super strength and superpowers, people always all also forget that he has like super intelligence like right. all this everything's amplified to superman he's he's also a genius like clark and bruce are equals in bruce's mind and bruce doesn't think very many people are equals to him right he's like just because you have more powers me doesn't mean you're my equal but he looks at clark he looks at cal as an equal right and that's like he doesn't do that very many people no and so that's huge so then he brings up to a rooftop him and jimmy are sitting there and he's just like hey uh Jimmy and he like puts on the glasses. He's like, "Yeah, you got glasses on." He's like, "No, oh, look, I'm I'm actually Clark." And he's just like, "Uh, like you pretending to be Clark?" He's like, "Yeah, like your Batman's way better." Like, are you pretending to be him? <laughs> and he's like messing with him forever. And he's just like, "Yeah, Lois told me earlier today." And he's just like, "Are you kidding me?" And he's like, kind of pissed off about it. And then he like, it's like Jimmy holding the camera out and doing a selfie between the two of them. Hilarious, doing like the peace sign. Right. Like, so ridiculous. And then it's. Superman, like, kind of angry with Lois. And she's like, of course. Jim, I've known Jimmy longer than I've known you. I'm going to tell him. Right. You were telling Perry. I told Jimmy. And he was really, really upset about it. But it's cool. We're all good. And, um, yeah, it's just, like, him and Lois' relationship <laughs> is, again, shows, like, the depth of that relationship. It's like... She is married to the most powerful individual in the universe, and she works him. Oh yeah, but hilarious. she also respects him though and loves him. But she's like, "Hey, I got this under control." Like, she's telling like the most powerful individual in the universe, "Hey, I got this. Chill out." Right. You know, like, and I, I think that that's brilliant writing again, because like, I this is kind of halfway through the bookish, but like, I'm gonna say that. When I saw that this was going to happen, I was kind of irritated. I wasn't looking forward to it. I was like, this is going to be stupid. Mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised on this yeah. book. I'm like, wow, they're doing this the best way they can do this. So far, I'm like, I'm impressed. And he's like, and she's talking about how he's going to do this and stuff. And she's like, hey, I've been writing this piece since our honeymoon. And he's like, you have? And she's like, maybe. And he's like, yeah, I have too. <laughs> but she probably has. True, yeah. Because she, she like, first and foremost, she like she loves her job. She's she's a brilliant woman, and that's what makes Superman brilliant. He doesn't put like idiots around him, mm-hmm. and that's why again, like 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 his son has crossed every DC book we've done tonight, and every like like things things we've done, but like like John. Like, I I haven't yet, like, the Super Sons book was really, really good, but then, like, he came back older, and I'm like, ah, and he was hanging out with his grandpa, which turned out to be crazy and whatever else, but, mm-hmm. but like, like, John is really, like, he's a good kid. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and it's like him, like that's why I hope him and Damien, like I hope that thing becomes a thing because Damien isn't a good kid. <laughs> right. Damien is a bad individual. Yeah, that's what Nate Super Son's so good. It was the eye color. But like he's exactly, but awesome. like, but he needs John. Oh, balance him out, yeah. And like John is like sees things like he's just like he's got that purity, but he's also like young. So anyway. Arguably the same thing with Batman and Superman. So yeah. to an extent amplified. Right. Amplified by a lot. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, everybody's standing there like listening and Superman just like Hey. He, as he's telling the story, like, I come from another planet, but I was adopted by these people. And he's like, And I'm Clark Kent. I'm important for the Daily Planet. I have been ever since I moved from Smallville, Kansas. And it just shows the reaction of, like, a ton of people. And some of these people, I don't know. I asked Ross. Ross doesn't know who some of them are. Somebody who's, like, red on fire with smoke all around it. She's a recent villain that uh, was fighting Superman. The girl that's redhead in the top corner is a firefighter that he's helped on and off random times. I just thought that was Star Lab. I thought somewhere. you were talking about Mira for a second. Oh, like, no, no. Mira. <laughs> no, she's Mira's a different page. The top corner, uh, yeah, she's a firefighter type that he's helped multiple times just as a thing. And, she, of course, she had a little crush on Superman because he's Superman. But speaking of crushes on Superman, though, like, there's some very interesting like reactions throughout this whole thing. Like, Diana, her head's down, arms crossed, and she's angry. But, yeah, John, John's a smiling John Stewart's smiling, Cyborg's rooting, Hawkwoman is, Flash is excited, um, Lois is crying, Supergirl and Crypto are excited, you know, um, Young Justice is just, they seem excited, like Connor. I feel like they're surprised. I mean, Connor looks a little... Connor knows. Yeah. You know, but like, and Mira's just like, oh, interesting, because I don't don't think that she necessarily cares, but... It looks like Bart's laughing. Yeah. Well, like Wonder Woman, you got to remember that New 52 Wonder Woman had her own Superman that was her boyfriend, and he has since been dead or merged, and now we have our current Superman. So for her, the entire series that was Superman Wonder Woman was about Clark wanting them to keep their relationship a secret and their identities a secret. The entire book's about that. And now we come to this. So for her, it's, I think, her positioning and body language is more a matter of maybe not entirely angry but more like spurned I don't know because like she knows this isn't the same dude she's married to even though they're not married to she was in in the relationship with even though they're kind of the same still that's where Superman gets messy right now but yeah her reaction I think is because of that which is interesting because they I mean I don't know if they've really touched on that because like, what happened with her when all that stuff happened like when the when he died, New 52 Superman died, and our Superman showed up, he was very under the impression that the other Superman was going to return, too, just like he did with Doomsday. He thought exactly the same thing would happen. The Eradicator would show up, take his body to the healing chamber, and everything would be fine. However, this reality, New 52, there was no healing chamber, and so he did not return. Um, eventually, there's a Mixolixplex story that makes that even messier. Mixolplex. Yeah. Mixes Pitlick. Yeah, that guy. One of those. Great, great gazoo from Flintstones. Yeah. Same thing. And eventually, or my favorite Martian. Same thing. Anyway, eventually he merged the twos, the two together after trying to erase our Superman with New Fifty Two Superman. Ours being the pre New Fifty Two, our current Superman. So I say our, I mean the one before New Fifty Two. The current. S- the current Superman. 
Seattle is where it gets messy. So effectively, I believe he has both, from what we understand, he has both sets of memories. The memories where his parents died in a car crash, and the memories where his mom lived on, his dad had a heart attack. So he has both sets of memories. So memories of him being in a relationship with Wonder Woman, but also being married to Lois Lane having a son. And that's the life that is the one that is of main property. The others are memories, but they're not the hold for him in the world. Other than that, there's not really been a whole lot more between him and her. And the way Diana feels about it, at least the way we understand it, is that her Superman died. This is a different dude. And that's basically how Batman treats it, too, even though this is the one he's okay with now. Because originally he was like, yeah, you're not my Superman. And that's basically how she acted, too. So for her, I don't think it's really changed. There hasn't been more about that that I'm aware of, but that's the way we understand it, at least. Right. Well, in the in the scene, like it sh- it shows Batman smiling, so I think Batman knows more than. Oh, he's definitely aware of the truth well, of Clark. In the, in the New Fifty Two thing, the Batman universe seemed to like not change as drastic. No. Besides Tim Drake, it was way different. Right. So Tim Drake's the only thing that really changed, like book wise, when New Fifty Two happened. Green Lantern, for Batman. the most part, and, and Batman. Batman, yeah, are the only two things that didn't change. Now, granted, for Batman, the underlings changed a little bit because Tim had a totally different backstory, and the age of the boys, where they line up, is hard to say, really. I mean, we guess that the time of when New 52 started and when Batman's story started don't line up exactly. But they've changed Tim back, kind of. Kind of. They've repaired him a little bit. I mean, he still has the origin story of being the prep school, uh, like, um, crime boss robber, but... Character-wise, he's not written angsty and, like... He's not written like Jason Todd anymore. He, they write him more like the smart him. And he's also had a batch of stories during Detective where future Tim, which is clearly from before New 52, has showed up and been like, yep, you're missing part of your life, bro. You and Stephanie were this whole thing. Batman lied to you about being dead. And, like, wrecked his world, kind of. So, like, where exactly he sits, because he's, he's still in Young Justice, and he runs in Young Justice pretty much like he always did. So it's almost like Young Justice is not different at all. But the original backstory is not still the current story. The one with the dead mother and father that raised him until eventually the father died. And him just being a smart kid that figured out Batman was Batman, it, it, doesn't, it isn't exactly the same. It's still that weird other prep school nonsense, which, whatever. And that was kind of the whole idea behind Rebirth, was to put back the history to the characters. And they they did it to an extent, but not completely, too. Right, that's why all these characters are getting back memories from lost things. And when Wally West shows up again, a bunch of the characters that were connected to Wally, like Dick Grayson and most of the Titans, all of a sudden got their old memories back from the previous universe. So, Superman has all those, because he's from the other universe. So he fits very differently. And... That eventually, I think, must affect everybody else because, like, Connor showing back up, that gave the Young Justice characters back their memories too. At least the ones that were around before. Right. It was connected between Rebirth and Doomsday Clock because you found out that Doctor Manhattan was like the guy behind it all. That he was he misplaced Superman and it caused New Fifty Two to happen and all this stuff and crazy. Yeah. So I'm going to read one part of this book because I felt like that this is one like little segment that, like, kind of makes the whole book click. Sure. But Superman's in front of the, the podium, and he says, In my travels, I get to see and hear people discover and rediscover themselves all the time. 
I get to see you find happiness you didn't even know that was there. In fact, I see and hear it every day. That's a big part of what inspired me today, you. And that's what, like, I think an epitome of Superman is that he just cares about people. And he's standing there, and he's just like, he's proud of his heritage from both Krypton and Earth, and he's excited for the future, and he's excited to continue to be a reporter. And which, like, I mean, at that point, just like, how do you give, like, Superman, like, an interview? It's just like, ugh. Okay, you know, I'm good. That part's Are you looking at my bones? Do I have cancer? Right. <laughs> well, yeah, it'd be just like the interview Lois Lane tries to give Superman in the Chris Reeve movie. Right. Like, how do you, yeah, how do you do that? I don't, I don't see that part working so well moving forward, but I guess we'll see. I took Clark Kent, no. But he does say when I show up as Superman, I want both parts of me to be represented at the same time. I don't know what happens then. But thank you for inspiring me. And he shoots off into the into the sky, and everybody's taking pictures. And then the most hilarious, interesting part of this whole book, which I didn't see coming, and usually I kind of flip through a book just to kind of get like a feel for it before I start reading it. It's the I, I what do you call it? the Injustice Gang, like the Legion of Doom, the Legion, Legion of Doom, Doom. Yeah. like the the bad guys, like just it's everybody just standing around and there's Brainiac and he yell, he's yelling at Luther and he's like, Luther, how do you not see this coming? And Luther is just pissed. How did Brainiac not see it coming? That's another <laughs> question. I know they're putting on Luther like it's his fault. Like, right. like Brainiac, you're supposed to be Brainiac. You know, you're a computer. You know everything supposedly. Right. But yeah, you didn't see it? Like, Luther's a man. Like, give the dude a break. Like, I'm almost like, I almost kind of feel, I mean, Luther is supposed to be a genius. Like, he's supposed to be brilliant. I get it. Like, to an extent, but it's like, man, like, Brainiac, you're yelling at Luther. Like, such a tool. See, and in this part, too, they don't do a good job of explaining this, but this Luther is, like, not just regular Lex Luther. He's like, God, Lex Luthor, he's got all kinds of crazy powers and stuff. He's on. He's been merged with, uh, like he, they call him Hell, Hell, Hell. Shoot, Hellarson, Hellarson. I think so. I haven't been keeping. Uh, I don't know how. To know, but I know it's a different name. But yeah, he uh, he has been recreated and is like alien, like reborn by the Creator Lady of the Universe. Mm. So when we see him in the one scene kind of in the purple and red and it transforms into the business suit, the purple and red and like kind of the off-white color is what he looks like now. Like normal Luther blew himself up and was rebirthed by the weird crazy lady thing to be what he is now. There's currently a series going on called uh, Year of the Villain and it's like Hell Arson, Hell, whatever he's calling himself. Which I should know, but I do know, but I don't remember. Anyway, it's a mini series dealing with uh, how he is what he is right now. So he's called Apex. Uh, I don't think so. Hell Arisen. Oh yeah, Hell Arisen is the name of the series. Yes, Apex is the name of him. Yes. It's in the back of the book. Apex Luther. Oh, I didn't flip that page. It's not. Once simply a ruthless super genius billionaire inventor, super villain Lex Luther is now Apex. Lex imbued with godlike abilities thanks to per. Perputua, the creator of the multiverse. Yep. 
His abilities, he's reborn as Apex Lex inside of a hybrid human Martian body. Luther is now nearly omnipotent, capable of traveling across infinite realities. His motivation, he spent recent months dispersing dark gifts to the villains of the DCU, helping them to be the best bad guys they can be in the name of serving Perpetua's will to reshape the multiverse in her image, full of Apex Predators under her control. That's what that storyline's about, yeah. So I think that's why Rainiac is so much like, how come you didn't know this? Because he like knows everything now. Well, but still, everything. Still, Rainiac was really. I was always kind of under the impression that like some of Superman's villains knew that and just didn't matter to them. Like it just wasn't a big deal. So yeah, I could see that. But, Batman has a handful of those too. So mm-hmm. I could see that. Uh, Score-wise, Josh, what do you got for that book? Um, you know, I don't. I don't want to be. I'm having a hard time with this. I don't do it very often. I'm gonna give it a five, only because I'm gonna be a little biased. I love Superman more than I love any other character, and I'm gonna give it a five because the writing aspect of it, how they wrote the little nuances and what Superman is actually what he's all about. They threw those little things in that I love and it's not seen as much today. Like even the, the, some of my greatest, the greatest writers, I think Grant Morrison didn't hit on all those points like they should have, but this hit it and it hit it in a way that I was like, wow, it's amazing. It's like you're making Lois be that strong, powerful woman who she is almost smarter than him in some aspects she does see things that that he doesn't see she she still does surprise him and like his relationship with perry and how much he loves him as a boss and as a human being and his relationship with jimmy and how he felt it so important he had to fly there and like bring him to the rooftop and ha- like have the conversation with him like those things are important and they 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 touched on all the stuff that mattered so like this book of five it was great. Like I was actually not looking forward to it. I thought it was stupid. I was like, "Oh, jeez, dumb." Like, why are they going to do that? Like his, but awesome. And it it serves a great point. He is a father with a super son now, and his wife is like, you know, I just there is no point for him to have a secret identity anymore. What's the point? It's mm. it's kind of true. Like there is kind of no point anymore. I can argue the opposite side of that if you want to. Sure. I don't. Ross, go ahead and score the book first. Then okay. So I'd give it a four and a half. Yeah. I, a lot of the reasons why you loved it, I did too. Um, I also was not looking forward to this issue because I thought it was kind of a gimmicky thing and they're going to go back on it here in a couple of issues. Um, but I kind of think it's more just a like a transition like it's a it's a big deal but it kind of isn't all at the same time um i'm sure it'll have implications in future issues but it's not going to be like the end of the world for them or anything so uh art ivan rays is one of my favorite artists um really good it yeah the story is a lot better than i expected so four and a half score wise I, I give it a four and a half also it is really written really really well the scene with Perry in the office is amazing. Like, the non-dialogue of it is just so good. And, like, it shows you the major difference between Perry White and, like, the way... So think Spider-Man. 
Like how did uh, how did that reaction happen for Spider Man? Very different. And the way Perry is with Kent, it has always been with Kent, is like a f- almost like a city father figure. Mm-hmm. He didn't need another dad, but that's how Perry's always kind of been. It was like I'm your dad. I mean, your, your dad and your, your dad in the city. That was hard to say. I'm your dad in the city. Where, just because Clark was so new to that, and nothing from Kansas taught him to be what he was. So like that whole thing there is really amazing. The Jimmy Olsen stuff, it's it's just so funny. Oh yeah, I knew the whole time. It was so funny. But he so, messes with him first. Oh, yeah. No, all that stuff with Batman is hilarious. I, yeah, I was going to say. The I fact gotta, it came back twice is double hilarious. Right. I got to throw in there that that was so funny that in that flashback scene, he's like, oh, that's an old joke on Earth. And then Jimmy Olsen literally. Adam Strange. No, Adam Strange. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah Adam, Adam Strange is just that. like, he's like, out here there is no old jokes. It's a new joke out here. Right. right. And then Jimmy Olsen literally says the same joke <laughs> like a week later. It's hilarious. So good. So funny. Like, the writing is really, really good. The art's great. My argument with the, with, with the revealed identity is that's not entirely true. And I feel what you're saying, and I get where, where he's trying to go with it. But if you really want to hurt Superman, now you have a whole building full of people you can aim at. It's the Daily Planet. It's the people you work with. Before that, you aimed at Lois Lane. You didn't aim at Perry White. You could aim at Jimmy Olsen, I guess, the idiot he saves all the time. I, I agree with you to an extent, but here's here's my thing with that. Here's I'm gonna rebuttal that. Sure. This this one thing. Go ahead. Superman's mass. Superman's weakness has never been kryptonite or magic or anything else. Right. Superman's weakness has always been every innocent life around him. So it doesn't matter who they are. Even if he has a personal relationship with them, it doesn't matter because his 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 weakness has always been the innocent people. That's always been the issue. That's what makes it doesn't matter how powerful he is. He's true. He can he can bend steel and you know leap buildings oh, no, in a single bound like saying. blah. But like his, it doesn't matter how powerful he is. Like that's what, if villains know that he cares. Anybody's in t- is a target. That's it doesn't true. matter, and it doesn't matter who the person is. I think the threat level is slightly different because. I don't yeah, though because I, 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 I know you're saying. I know that like Lois, she's smart enough. Like she puts herself in danger on purpose, but he gets that about her, and right. he loves her regardless. But it's like, what's he going to do? Lock them all in the fortress of solitude? He can't right. lock every human being in the fort, every innocent person in the fortress of solitude. You know, like, right. and he he can't do the Iron Man thing, which he actually there was an a, an arc where like the super robots come and try to just like control control everything, right? right? There was an arc that that happened, and it's just like that—that's that's Superman's weakness. Well, yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Because he's smart enough to stay away from Kryptonite magic. He can do all those things. Like he can outsmart, mix his pit. Like he can do whatever he wants. But like this new Lex thing, like I, I didn't know that. Like I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm behind in Superman, but like he's I'm, cur- I'm, I'm curious to see where that goes. But you know, at the end of the day, that's also his greatest power is that he he loves and cares about. Everyone. Well, sure. You know, like, that's why he didn't kill Manchester Black when they were on Saturn or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is like, he just took his powers away. Right. Because he's like, he's that hero. He's just like, I just, I lobotomized that part out of you so you can't do these horrible things anymore, but I'm not going to kill you because I'm not that kind of person. Also and a that's, great story, yeah. But that's what makes him brilliant. And that's what makes Superman brilliant. And people are like, oh, Superman, just a big boy scout. Blah, blah, blah. You know what? No. 
if Superman's written properly the way that he should be, which this book was, he's the greatest superhero ever created. That's and that he he's just he's the the one that everything and everyone and ev- like wants to base a superhero off of because he's like he's the greatest superhero of all time, and that's how I feel. And you know, people can argue all day long, but this is and this is my opinion. But this is also our podcast, so sure, people have yeah. to listen to my opinion and not argue <laughs> and, with me, and, and I don't have to hear them. So it. you have you have your opinion. I don't so. have any problem with Superman being great. I just see that's the only issue with this issue. I don't think that it's. I don't think it's in the universe or anything. And you're right. Every single life is a important life to Superman, regardless who it is. But. Now the villains have specific targets. Exactly. Just- you want to hurt him more. Well, what hurts more? A dude he never knew. I mean, it hurts him equally, I guess, to an extent. But if it was a person that he worked with, it'd be slightly different. I think it mattered more to him that way. I d- you know, I- I'd have to, just because of picking favorites, in the general scheme of things, like a random dude dies in a helicopter crash, Kobe Bryant dies in a helicopter crash. We have never met Kobe. All we know about him is what the media has given us and what we've seen him do and what we watched him do in life and how he made us feel when he played games. But there's a lot of other dudes that die in playing that die in whatever kind of plane crash and it means nothing. So like that scope and connection, I just feel like it's more detrimental and not as safe as it used to be for those people around him. Does that mean that the story is bad? Oh no, no, it's a great story. You're right, it's awesome. And I, in and to your and to your your support in your in your like there's a story that i've referred to on this podcast multiple times and it was back in the mid 90s when toy man kidnaps a bunch of kids and one of those kids was cat grant another reporter for the um in in metropolis she was a a tv reporter but she's part of it but she was friends with clark and she was friends with lois and um she also kind of had a thing for Clark, but whatever. But uh, her son gets kidnapped by Toy Man. And her son, because of Superman, and like, like you know, Cat had introduced him to Superman a few times, he felt like he had an obligation to save all these kids. And he helps all the kids escape, but Toy Man still kills him. Cat Grant loses her child. And she breaks down and just devastates her. Superman could not do anything about it, and it devastates him because right, and like just like all of these kids get away and safely, and he and he finally figures it out. He stops Toy Man, but that one kid dies. But the thing is, it was a friend of his, and it was his friend of his kid, and a kid that he met. But you know what? Because he inspired that kid, all the other kids got away. And ultimately, when he sits down for breakfast with his parents in Kansas, and he cries on Ma Kent's shoulder. And Pa Kent puts his hand on his shoulder and says, you can't save them all, Clark. Right. You can't save them all. He's like, yeah, but I should be able to. And that's the thing with Superman is his humanization, like his humanity, like the, and that's the thing. Like, it doesn't matter that he knows Perry and that he knows Jimmy and that he knows all these people that work there. Because it's like, they could be like, oh, the coffee shop down the street from their house or the doorman at their apartment or this. Like, because you know what? They can try and attack John, but John Kent is yeah, Superboy. Different situation. You know, so apparently. basically, ultimately, like he could lock up Lois in the Fortress of Solitude with Crypto, and Crypto is a 
a tough, tough oh, yeah. being. He's awesome. And it sh- that's actually been, that's all come up before. I think it, I think he takes on Mongul at one point. Mm-hmm. Well, dog, dog's not scared, ain't Just, yeah, just ferocious as insanity, but it's just like, he has people who are important in like, in his life, but it's like, I, I, man, like, I, I, I see it, but I also don't think that it's gonna matter. I don't, I don't think it matters to Superman as much. I think it matters more to the villains who, like, now instead of just getting the random guy down the street, they're gonna go for these people that they know are close to him. But we'll have to see what happens with stories if it unfolds that way or not. Right. If I was a bad guy, that's what I would do. If. If. Right. A big, small if. Whatever, Ross. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, anyway, okay. So, after after the Superman. Um, so, let's go take a second. We'll go and play the uh, Batman clips of words. I don't know what to call that, because it's not a normal thing. I'm going to play those stuff for you, and then we'll come back here in just a second with show. So, I guess enjoy Batman for those of you that send emails. This episode brought to you by... The goddamn Batman. Swear to me. Alfred, where are my shoes? How much Chuck would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Swear to me. Lollipop, lollipop. Oh, lolly, lolly. Lollipop. Bum, bum, bum. This episode brought to you by Taco Bell. No lettuce on that. Hello to all the ladies out there in Radio Land. Tiki. 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 Okay, and that was that. Or a version of Batman, I guess. Whatever. Uh, anyhow, so uh, from there we move on to the action figure review. Josh, what do you got for us with action figure review? All right, this week, action figure review. Did we have a noise last time? I mean, there's a sound effect. Yes. There so anyway, this week we have an up-and-coming kind of... They've kind of already aligned themselves in the uh, three and three-quarter, one-eighteenth scale, four-inch line. And it is a company called Joy Toy, and... The brand of this is uh, Crossfire. It's uh, based off a video game. They have several characters that they released, but the one that I picked up is a SWAT figure. It is the. It's just straight up called the SWAT figure. They come in a sweet um, slide box. It's not. A, it's not a sealed package. Um, that means people like CBS who refuse to open pa- like figures and enjoy them and touch them and become one with them, like I do. Like just really <laughs> enjoy it. Um, you can open it and then put it back and it's not that big of a deal so it comes in a pretty like sweet like black with like a the figure kind of put on it like shadow um art really neat little 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 instruction like pamphlet and then like foam surrounded by it so it protects it a little bag of uh accessories couple it uh, comes with like um some hand switch out some feet switch out some pistols, a billy club, an assault rifle. It looks like your, you know, your classic SWAT figure. The paint job is amazing. 
the articulation is, you know, ankles, knees, multiple hips, hip, um, waist, um, and then mid-torso, elbows, wrists, shoulders, and, and then the head. My one issue with this figure, overall, I love the figure, but the one issue I have with it, I don't like the head that much. Um, I wish if the one thing they could have done is detailed that they put into it, the helmet could have come off. It would have made it a way better figure, but they made the head sculpt the helmet part of the head sculpt. So it, the helmet doesn't actually come off. That actually bothers me because what I'm going to use this figure for personally is a custom of Shockwave from G.I. Joe. And I've already done it and it looks amazing. If they would have made the helmet removable on the head, it would have made the figure better. What I do like about the figure, the paint job is like a nice matte finish. Like it's not super glossy, super like sticky or weird. Um, the paint job is very thorough. It's really, really good. All the articulation points are great. Um, all the joints move really, really good. Um, the accessories, all fantastic. Yeah, this, this Joy Toy company is doing some really cool things. I've read a bunch of reviews online. People are really loving like where they're going with it. They have a lot of, um, they've done like a Russian, um, assault crew. They've done um, a Marines assault crew. They like assault crew with like five figures. Um, they've done all sorts of different figures. They put out some female characters look really, really good, but this is the first one I picked up. You know, you're going to get probably anywhere between Big Bad Toy Store, Amazon, anywhere online, anywhere between like $27.99 to $30. Like, so big, like, well, I think this one was like $27. So $27 to $30, which is like pretty average for, um, Independent market 118 scale figures. Right. Which, you know, your, your, uh, your 112 scale figures, independent markets are, are going for in the $50 range. So, like, it, it's a decent, it's a decent price, um, if, if that's what you're into. With G.I. Joe not being a thing right now, we've discussed last few episodes that there are some really cool companies coming up and coming that are doing some really cool things. This is, Joy Toy is like, it's right up there with, the uh, Marauder Task Force and, uh, Boss Fight. Acid Rain being there as well. Acid Rain is kind of its own thing. It's like, you know, whatever. It's it's a. Well, they've been doing it a while, a while longer. Too. I don't think they're trying to compete so, necessarily. Yeah. I think they're just a totally different thing. But these guys are just doing like almost generic figures that people can just put, like interject into their their action figure. True building style, kind of. Yeah, just kind of like this into their action figure universe. Um, so yeah, it's a really really good figure. Um, I'm stoked I picked it up. I give it about. Mm, because the head sculpt, I think I, I struggle with it. I mean, the goggle, the, the problem with the, the head sculpt, the goggles they've been molded onto the helmet. Right. So it's just like, it's just one solid mold. Like, you can't even take the goggles off, which even on, like, G.I. Joe figures and stuff, like Star Wars figures, like, the goggles are removable, and they're not. So, like, that, I think that's the one part they skimped on. But uh, I give it about a, you know, I get a three, th- three, seven, five out of out of five. Sure. Overall, so. Sweet. Nice. Figure-wise, hopefully we have a video up for that one. Um, so check out the uh, top5comicspodcast.com and look for the YouTube channel. It should be on there, and we're going to be putting it up on another YouTube channel that we're going to be doing with the, another group here in town for the, the Valley Stream um, YouTube page at some point. So That's where like Top 5 will be on there. Also, uh, Never Been a Podcast will be on there as well. So. Right. So yeah, you can find all that stuff on the website as well. There's a set of links to the pretty much everything. What do you think, Ross? It's a pretty sweet figure. I could see it being pretty useful for, like you're saying, custom stuff or 
building it in with your collection if you need generic guys in there. And I think a lot of the new like 118 scale stuff coming out, they're all about customization. That's kind of the goal that they're going with. But it's like a lot of blanks, a lot of you know just basic figures. Mm-hmm. So I think that's neat. Sure. Cool. All right. Well, we'll move on to the uh, lesson of the day, I guess. Um, so, Ross, what did you learn today? I learned that uh, John Kent solves problems with his fists. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's true, huh? <laughs> Punches first, ask questions later. It's definitely the way you should be. Josh, what did you learn today? Hawkeye thinks he's super handsome. <laughs> that's also true. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, all right, so what did I learn today? You don't like Superman? That's not true, though. Mm. I, mean, I do like Batman better. In a passive-aggressive way, you don't like Superman? That's not true. It's not <laughs> true at all. I like Superman just fine. Mm-hmm. What What did you learn? You learned something awesome, and I can't remember what it is now. Oh, the thing I was talking to you about? Yeah. That the Daily Planet recycles Action Comics covers for their covers of their papers. Bunch of thieves. Oh, that you're really good at baby name songs when we go to baby showers? <laughs> that wasn't it either. No. I don't remember what it was, oh, so nah, we, learned, been, we learned too much. Must not have been that important, though. Overflowing brains. That's, bit, that's <laughs> what I got. See, that's why I asked you guys first, because it's a mess. Yeah, yeah, I just know you don't like Superman. That's not true. <laughs> that's not true at all. Chris Reeves is my favorite. You know, Chris Reeves doesn't I mean like Superman. It's Chris Reeves as Superman. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, so there's book to wa- books to watch. Ross, what do you know about books that people should try to read? Um, well, I'm excited for that Robin anniversary special. Yeah, the 80-page yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. special? Yeah, I think that looks like that'll be a cool book. So is, uh, is the group shot supposed to be the the main cover? No, that's the 2010 cover. The main cover is Lee, Lee Weeks one, the red one with him jumping, kind of like uh, Dark Knight style. Oh, okay. That's the, that's the normal A cover. That's lame. Eh, it's a cool image, but stupid DC. Yeah, it's the normal cover. <laughs> um, I'm also excited for where Superman and Legion will both go. We talked about those today, right? Uh, I think Gotham City Monsters is finishing up in the next issue. It is, and that's been a pretty fun book for. In the in the last one, they fought like the classic Universal monsters. <laughs> so you had a part where Frankenstein, DC Frankenstein, fought Frankenstein. And may have, like, crushed his head in the end of it. May have mean that he did. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Josh, getting books to watch? Usagi's good. Um, the Black Stars book is good. Uh, it's going to switch back to Green Lantern at some point, supposedly. No, it is. But There's one more issue of Black Stars. It's only a miniseries. Um, Green Lanterns comes out the following month. The New Guardians book just started. And so far, I, I liked it. I'm excited about that, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Sure. Uh, well, books, I would say, if you're not reading Batman's Grave, you should be. It's pretty... It really is pretty good, and it deals with a lot of the detective-flavored things that we don't normally get in Batman books, so I've liked that a lot. As far as uh, series, we just had the new story arc start at number 86 for Batman. Uh, we get the new writer, James Tavolian. Uh, and Tony Daniels doing the art, so the new storyline picks up there. At this point, it is in second print, so if you missed it, just let your retailer know, then get your second prints. So th- those are both good. 
Uh, as far as series is outside of that, I'm still super excited for uh, Strange Academy. I think that'll be great. I think the new Spider-Woman will be really good, too, actually. I'm pretty stoked for that. We're going to get a new costume again. However, it's not the weird bike jacket that was sort of a knockoff version of Batgirl. It's it's like a adaption of her original costume, just recoloring. So I think that's cool, because I always like the original costume better anyway. Uh, I feel like there was another one in there that I thought was really cool for Marvel, but now I can't remember what it is. Um, shoot. So I haven't done this for a while. Huh. Mainly because I haven't talked about comics for a while. Right. But, uh, I had one more I forgot about. Okay, what do you got? Aquaman. They're about to have a kid again. Right. For the first time in this continuity, but the second time. In um, general, yes. And they're, they've set up Aqualad to, like, be... Almost more Mira sidekick, it seems like, than Aquaman's. But I like that they're putting all like the the extended stuff into it now. So excited for a future of Aquaman. <laughs> Sweet. That didn't help you figure out your mind. No, that's all right. It doesn't doesn't make any difference. It's all right. I'm sure I'll think of it next time, probably. Um. So I guess that was it. Is it? Um, if you don't like us on Facebook already, like us on Facebook. Because it helps us go to events and conventions and get you interviews with people. Um, Facebook, Instagram, all the social medias. Sure. Like, like, rate, and review on Apple and Google Play and Stitcher and um, Spotify, all those things. Yep. You definitely do that. Like, Don't just like it. Just go and just write a quick review or follow it. And all that, that makes massive differences on this end. Right. Um, the other thing too is is you know rate us good, but write a review and let us know like what you think you know and then me- and message like send a message and be like hey like I really like the podcast or I really don't like the podcast and here's why like don't just be a jerk about it like if you don't like it tell us why so we can like adjust it or fix it or talk about it and you know you never know maybe we'll like talk about your question or comment or concern on the actual podcast you never know what's going on so um yeah man. Or, or if you just want Batman impressions from Steve. I can't do them now. My voice got better. I told everybody on the Never Been Done podcast and on the Morbius episode that if they wanted to pay you to say something in Batman's voice, they had a week and a half to do it until the antibiotics kicked in. <laughs> well, i got a few. That's the, what that segment's about. I was hoping you would do, like, birthday parties. It was like, call it, hey, little Billy, it's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> that's some your vegetables. I think it, that's you know what I mean? That's, creepy. A, that's kind of, that's not creepy. It's like, I'm Batman. Eat your vegetables. Yeah. Clean your room. You know, that'd be sweet. Yeah. Swear to me. It has to be that. Swear to me. Yeah. I can't do it now. I could do it real good two weeks ago. Real good. All right. All right. Over and out. The key? The key. The key.